Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is episode 16, chapter 16, The Forgiveness of Illusions. Welcome back. My email is trifectanow3 at gmail.com. Forgiveness is one of the most misunderstood and difficult concepts for people to get their head around. The focus with forgiveness is to let go and release the other person from the burden you have placed upon yourself. It even goes deeper than that. If we have agreed to this point that we are spirit, not form, then forgiveness should be simple. It's form and the physical world attachment that makes forgiveness so hard for us. Our spiritual existence shows us that our willingness to forgive physical form is only us holding on to what doesn't really exist. So on page 330, it uh, starts with true empathy. Empathy is understood very differently by the Holy Spirit. We empathize to share in one another's suffering, but the Holy Spirit wants to teach us that we do not understand suffering as he does not understand suffering. The suffering that we experience is produced by the ego, and since the Holy Spirit does not relate to the ego, suffering is misunderstood. Empathizing is sharing in weakness and not in strength. If we were to merely sit quietly and let the Holy Spirit empathize through us, then we would empathize in strength and therefore gain in strength, not weakness. So paragraph one on page 330 starts with, to emphasize does not mean to join in suffering for that what you must refuse to understand. That is the ego's interpretation of empathy and is always used to form a special relationship in which the suffering is shared. Sentence six says, when he relates through you, he does not relate through your ego to another ego. He does not join in pain, understanding that healing pain is not accomplished by delusional attempts to enter into it and lighten it by sharing the delusion. <clears throat> Paragraph two says, the clearest proof that empathy, as the ego uses it, is destructive lies in the fact that it is applied only to certain types of problems and in certain people. Sentence four in that same paragraph says, having identified with what it thinks it understands, the ego sees itself and would increase itself by sharing what is like itself. Make no mistake about this maneuver. The ego always emphasizes empathizes to weaken and to weaken is always to attack paragraph three says your part is only to remember this you do not want anything you value to come of a relationship you choose neither to hurt it nor to heal it in your own way you do not know what healing is all you have learned of empathy is from the past and there is nothing from the past that you would share for there is nothing from the past that you would keep. Do not use empathy to make the past real and so perpetuate it. Step gently aside and let healing be done for you. Keep but one thought in mind and do not lose sight of it. However tempted you may be to judge any situation and determine your response by judging it, focus your mind only on this. And on the next page in 331 it says, I am not alone, and I would not intrude the past upon my guest. I have invited him, and he is here. I need do nothing except not to interfere. 
Paragraph 4 says, True empathy is of him who knows what it is. You will learn his interpretation of it if you let him use your capacity for strength and not for weakness. He did not desert you, but he, but be sure that you desert not him. Humility is strength in this sense only, that to recognize and accept the fact that you do not know is to recognize and accept the fact that he does know. You are not sure that he will do his part because you have never yet done yours completely. Paragraph 5, sentence 4 says, The unredeemed cannot redeem, yet they have a redeemer. Attempt to teach him not. You are the learner, he the teacher. Do not confuse your role with his, for this will never bring peace to anyone. Offer your empathy to him, for it is his perception and his strength that you would share. And let him offer you his strength and his perception to be shared through you. Paragraph six says, the meaning of love is lost in any relationship that looks to weakness and hopes to find love there. The power of love, which is its meaning, lies in the strength of God that hovers over it and blesses it silently by enveloping it in healing wings. Let this be and do not try to substitute your miracle for this. Sentence seven in that same paragraph says, only the Holy Spirit recognizes foolish needs as well as real ones. Paragraph seven at the very bottom of that same page says, you will attempt to do this only in secrecy, and you will think that by meeting the needs of one, you do not jeopardize another. Next page, which is two, th- sorry, 333, because you keep them separate and secret from each other. Paragraph, sorry, sentence four in, the, in that same paragraph says, no needs will long be left unmet if you leave them all to him whose function is to meet them. That is his function, not yours. So the next part on that page is the power of holiness. I wrote that the power of holiness is to try and not define it. Holiness is a state of existence. We find holiness when we let go of our need to define it. Miracles are the extensions of our holiness. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, healer, and guide. It is through her that we will finally understand it. Paragraph one, sentence one says, you may still think that holiness is impossible to understand because you cannot see how it can be extended to include everyone. And you have been told that it must include everyone to be holy. Can you concern yourself not with the extension of holiness for the nature of miracles you do not understand? Paragraph two, sentence four says, a better and far more helpful way to think of miracles is this. You do not understand them, neither in part nor in whole, yet they have been done through you. Therefore, your understanding cannot be necessary. Yet it is still important to accomplish what you do not understand. And so there must be something in you that does understand. Paragraph three at the bottom says, To you, the miracle cannot seem natural because what you have done to hurt your mind has made it so unnatural that it does not remember what natural is. The next page on 333, paragraph four says, You have done miracles but it is quite apparent that you have not done them alone. You have succeeded whenever you have reached another mind and joined with it. 
when two minds join as one and share one idea equally, the first linked is the awareness of the sonship as one has been made. Paragraph 5 says, How can faith in reality be yours while you are bent on making it unreal? And are you really safer in maintaining the reality of illusions than you would be in joyously accepting truth for what it is and giving thanks for it? Paragraph 6 says, No evidence will convince you of the truth of what you do not want, yet your relationship with him is real. Regard this not with fear, but with rejoicing. The one you call upon is with you. Bid him welcome and honor the witnesses who bring you the glad tidings he has come. It is true, just as you fear that to acknowledge him is to deny all that you think you know. Paragraph 7 at the bottom says, This is a year of joy in which your listening will increase and peace will grow with its increase. The power of holiness and the weakness of attack are both being brought into your awareness. Page 334. And this has been accomplished in a mind firmly convinced that holiness is weakness and attack and power. Should not this be a sufficient miracle to teach you that your teacher is not of you? But remember also that whenever you listen to his interpretation, the results have brought you joy. Paragraph 9 says, You have never given any problem to the Holy Spirit he has not solved for you, nor will you ever do so. You have never tried to solve anything yourself and been successful. Is it not you? Is it not time you brought these facts together and made sense of them? The next section at the bottom of 334 is the reward of teaching. I wrote, I am a teacher by profession, but it was through this book that I truly understand what it means to be a teacher. This course has taught me how to know myself, and in doing so, I can extend myself to others. I see every moment as an opportunity to learn and one to teach. I let my instincts guide which is which. Paragraph 1 says, We have already learned that everyone teaches, and teaches all the time. You may have taught well, and yet you may not have learned how to accept the comfort of your teaching. If you will consider what you have taught and how alien it is to what you thought you knew, you will be compelled to realize that your teacher came from beyond your thought system. That's on page 335. Paragraph 2 says, You may have taught freedom, but you have not learned how to be free. I said earlier, By their fruits ye shall know them, and they shall know themselves. For it is certain that you judge yourself according to your teaching. The ego's teaching produces immediate results because its decisions are immediately accepted as your choice. Paragraph 3 says, Does not the fact that you have not learned what you have taught show you that you do not perceive the sonship as one? And does it not also show you that you do not regard yourself as one? For it is impossible to teach successfully wholly without conviction and is equally impossible that conviction be outside of you. You could never have taught freedom unless you did believe in it. And it must be that what you taught came from yourself. Yet this self you clearly do not know and do not recognize it even through its functions. What functions must be there? And it is only if you deny what it has done that you could possibly deny its presence. Paragraph 4. 
This is a course in how to know yourself. You have taught, you have taught what you are, but you have not let what you are teach you. You have been very careful to avoid the obvious and not to see the real because the effect relationship that is perfect is perfectly apparent. Yet within you is everything you taught. What can it be that has not been learned? Sentence eight at the very bottom says, what you accept into your mind does not really change it. Illusions are but beliefs in what is not. Paragraph three, three, six. There. And this seeming conflict between truth and illusion can only be resolved by separating yourself from the illusion and not from truth. Paragraph five, sentence eight says, they communicate to you through the Holy Spirit and their power and gratitude to you for their creation they offer gladly to your teaching of yourself, who is their home. You who are host to God are also host to them, for nothing real has ever left the mind of its creator, and what is not real was never there. Paragraph six says, you are not two selves in conflict. What is beyond, what is beyond God? If you who hold him and whom he holds are the universe, all else must be outside. There is nothing. There, sorry, there nothing is. <laughs> you have taught this and from far off in the universe, yet not beyond yourself, the witnesses of your teaching have gathered to help you learn. Paragraph seven, sentence five says, as you learn your gratitude to your to yourself who teaches you what he is will grow and help you honor him and you will learn his power and strength and purity and love him as his father does. His kingdom has no limits and no end and there is nothing in him that is not perfect and eternal. All this is joy. All this is you and nothing outside of this is you. On the next page, 337, Paragraph nine says, your bridge is builded, built strongly, stronger than you think, and your foot is planted firmly on it. Have no fear that the attraction of these, those who stand on the other side and wait for you will not draw you safely across, for you will come where you would be and where yourself awaits you. The next part on page 337 is called the illusion and the reality of love. This section is very interesting and somewhat tricky to comprehend. I have had many discussions in my book clubs about this. The special love relationship. The illusion of love in this world. We, our egos, have defined love by how we feel. Since our egos rule our emotions, then it stands to reason that our understanding of true love would be unreal. We attach symbols and specialness to love. The special love relationship has an element of hate attached to it. Love serves a purpose, and if that purpose is taken away, we are angry, mad, and pissed off at life. But if it was truly what love is, then we would feel no different if the physical aspect of that love was removed, would we? So paragraph one says, <clears throat> Be not afraid to look upon the special hate relationship, for freedom lies in looking at it. It would be impossible not to know the meaning of love except for this. For the special love relationship in which the meaning of love is hidden is undertaken solely to offset the hate, but not to let it go. Your salvation will rise clearly before your open eyes as you look on this. You cannot limit hate. The special love relationship will not offset it, 
but will merely drive it underground and out of sight. It is essential to bring it into sight and to make no attempt to hide it, for it is the attempt to balance hate with love that makes love meaningless to you. The extent of the split that lies in this you do not realize, and until you do, the split will remain unrecognized and therefore unhealed. Paragraph 3. The special love relationship is an attempt to limit the destructiveness, destructive effects of hate by finding a haven in the storm of guilt. It makes no attempt to rise above the storm into the sunlight. On the contrary, it emphasizes the guilt outside the haven by attempting to build barricades against it and keep within them. Next page on 338. It says the special love relationship is not perceived as a value in itself, but as a place of safety from which hatred is split off and kept apart. The special love partner is acceptable only as long as he serves his purpose. Hatred can enter and indeed is welcome in some aspects of the relationship, but it is still held together by the illusion of love. If the illusion goes, the relationship is broken or becomes unsatisfied on the grounds of disillusionment. Paragraph 4 says, love is not an illusion, it is a fact. Where disillusionment is possible, there was not love but hate. For hate is an illusion, and what can change was never love. It is sure that those who select certain ones as partners in any aspect of living and use them for any purpose which they would not share with others are trying to live with guilt rather than to die of it. This is a choice they see, and love, to them, is only an escape from death. They seek it desperately, but not in the peace in which it would gladly come quietly to them, and when they find the fear of death is still upon them, the love relationship loses the illusion that it is what it is not. When the barricades against it are broken, fear rushes in and hatred triumphs. Paragraph 5 says, There is no triumphs of love. Only hate is at all concerned with the triumphs of love. The illusion of love can triumph over the illusion of hate, but always at the price of making both illusions. As long as the illusion of hatred lasts, so long will love be an illusion to you. And then the only choice remains possible is which illusion you prefer. There is no conflict in the choice between truth and illusion. Seen in these terms, no one would hesitate. But conflict enters the instant the choice seems to be one between illusions. But this choice does not matter. Where one choice is as dangerous as the other, the, the decision must be one of despair. Paragraph 6. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek to find all of the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Paragraph 7 says, Recognize this, for it is true, and truth must be recognized if it is to be distinguished from illusion. The special love relationship is an attempt to bring love into separation. And as such it is, next page, nothing more than an attempt to bring love into fear and make it real in fear. In fundamental violation of love's one condition, the special love relationship would accomplish the impossible. How but an illusion could this be done? Paragraph 8 says, Heaven waits silently, silently, and your creations are holding out their hands to help you cross and welcome them. For it is they you seek. You seek but for your own completion, and it is they who render you complete. Paragraph 9 says, Across the bridge is your completion, for you will be holy in God, willing for nothing special, 
for only to be wholly like him, completing him by your completion. Fear not to cross the abode of peace and perfect holiness. Sentence 4 says, Seek not for this in the bleak world of illusion, where nothing is certain and where everything fails to satisfy. In the name of God, be wholly willing to abandon all illusions. In any relationship in which you are wholly willing to accept completion, and this is, there is God completely and his son with him. Paragraph 10, sentence 2 says, Every illusion you accept into your mind by judging it to be attainable removes your own sense of completion and thus denies the wholeness of your father. <clears throat> Every fantasy, be it of love or hate, deprives you of knowledge for fantasies as well as the veil behind which truth is hidden. To lift the veil that seems so dark and heavy, it is only needful to value truth beyond all fantasy and to be entirely willing to settle for illusion in place of truth. Next page, which is 340, sentence 3 at the top says, Love calls, but hate would have you stay. Sentence 8 says, He loves you wholly without illusion, as you must love. For love is wholly without illusion, and therefore wholly without fear. Paragraph 12, sentence 2, The Holy Spirit is the bridge to him, made from your willingness to unite with him and create by his joy in union with you. The journey that seems endless is almost complete, for what is endless is very near. You have almost recognized it. Turn with me firmly away from all illusions now and let nothing stand in the way of truth. We will take the last useless journey away from truth together. And then together we go straight to God in joyous answer to his call for his, for his completion. Paragraph 13 says, In special relationships of any kind, if special relationships of any kind would hinder God's completion, can they have any value to you? What would interfere with God must interfere with you. Only in time does interference in God's completion seem to be possible. The bridge that he would carry you across lifts you from time into eternity. Waken from time and answer fearlessly the call of him who gave eternity to you in your creation. On this side of the bridge, the two timelessness, you understand nothing. But as you step lightly across it, upheld by timelessness, you are directed straight to the heart of God. On page 341 is the choice for completion. This section has so much underlined for me, and I will share those pieces with you. But I want to state a few lines here now that I will say again in a few minutes. I'm hoping that by removing them from the text here, the meaning will stand out. The world is the opposite of heaven. Sorry, this world is the opposite of heaven. Being made to be its opposite. Let me turn the page. And everything here takes a direction exactly opposite to what is true. In heaven, where the meaning of love is known, love is the same as union. Here, where illusion of love is accepted in love's place, love is perceived as separation and exclusion. It makes total sense. In all our special love relationships, we keep them separate from everything and everyone. We exclude them from the whole. How can we really understand love when we keep it hidden away? Paragraph one says, in looking at the special relationship, is it necessary 
it is a necessary first to realize that it involves a great amount of pain. Anxiety, despair, and guilt and attack all enter into it, broken into by periods in which they seem to be gone. All these must be understood for what they are. Whatever form they take, they are always an attack on the self to make the other guilty. Paragraph 2, Sentence 3. The special love relationship is the ego's chief weapon for keeping you from heaven. It does not appear to be a weapon, but if you consider how you value it and why, you will realize that it must be. Paragraph 3 says the special love relationship is the ego's most boastful gift, the one which has the most appeal to those unwilling to relinquish guilt. The dynamics of the ego are clearest here. For counting on the attraction of this offering, the fantasies that center around it is often quite overt. Here, they are usually judged to be acceptable and even natural. No one considers it bizarre to love and hate together, and even those who believe that hate is sin merely feel guilty but do not correct it. This is the natural condition of the separation, and those who learn that it is not natural at all seem to be the unnatural ones. For this world is the opposite of heaven, being made to be its opposite, and everything here takes a direction exactly opposite to what is true. In heaven, where the meaning of love is known, love is the same as union. Here, where the illusion of love is accepted in love's place, love is perceived as separation and exclusion. It is in the special relationship, born of the hidden wish for special love from God, that the ego's hatred triumphs. For the special relationship is the renunciation of the love of God and the attempt to secure for the self the specialness that he denied. It is essential to the preservation of the ego that you believe this specialness is not hell but heaven. For the ego would never have you see that separation could only be lost, being the one condition in which heaven could not be. Paragraph 5 at the bottom says, To everyone heaven is completion. There is no disagreement out of page 342 on this. Both ego and Holy Spirit accepted. They are, however, in complete disagreement on what completion is and how it is accomplished. Paragraph 6 says the special relationship is a strange and unnatural ego device for joining hell and heaven and making them indistinguishable. And the attempt to find the imagined best of both worlds has merely led to fantasy of both and to the inability to perceive either as it is. The special relationship is the triumph of this confusion. It is a kind of union from which union is excluded and the basis for the attempt at union rests on exclusion. What better example could there be of the ego's maxim, seek but do not find? Paragraph 7, sentence 2 says, This self seeks the relationship to make itself complete. On the next page, which is, par which is page 343, and it's paragraph 9, and it's at the top, says, The conviction of littleness lies in every special relationship, for only the deprived could value specialness. Paragraph 10, sentence 4 says, The central theme in its litany to sacrifice is that God must die so you can live. And it is this theme that is acted out in the special relationship. Through the death of yourself, you think you can attack another self and snatch it from the other to replace the self that you despise. Paragraph 12 at the bottom says, 
Whenever any form of special relationship attempts, tempts, sorry, tempts you to seek for love in ritual, remember love is content and not form of any kind. Sorry, that would be content and not form of any kind. The special relationship is a ritual of form aimed at raising the form to take the place of God at the expense of content. There is no meaning in the form and there never will be. The special relationship must be recognized for what it is, a senseless ritual in which strength is extracted from the death of God and invested in his killer as the sign that form has triumphed over content and love has lost its meaning. Would you want this to be possible even apart from its evident impossibility? If it were, next page 344, if it were possible... You would have made yourself helpless. God is not angry. He merely could not let this happen. You cannot change his mind. No rituals that you have set up in which the dance of death delights you can bring death to the eternal. Nor can your chosen substitute for the wholeness of God have any influence at all upon it. Paragraph 13, sentence 2 says, In the name of your completion, you do not want this. For every idol that you raise to place before him stands before you in place of what you are. Paragraph 15 says, The core of the separation illusion lies simply in the fantasy of destruction of love's meaning. And unless love's meaning is restored to you, you cannot know yourself who share its meaning. Separation is the only is only the decision not to know yourself. Paragraph 16, The decision whether or not to listen to this course and follow is it is but the choice between truth and illusion for here is truth separated from illusion and not confused with it at all how simple does this choice become when it is perceived as only what it is for the only fantasies can make can sorry for only fantasies make confusion in choosing possible and they are totally unreal on page 345 is the bridge to the real world. The search and need for the special relationship are a sign that you are following your ego and not your spirit. God created love as he would have it be and gave it as it is. We took it and made it what we wanted it to be. Love has no meaning except as its creator defined it by his will. It is impossible to define it otherwise and understand it. The closer you look at the special relationship, the more apparent it becomes that it fosters guilt and therefore must imprison those who want it. Paragraph one says the search for the special relationship is the sign that you equate yourself with the ego and not with God. For the special relationship has value only to the ego. To the ego, unless a relationship has special value, it has no meaning for it perceives all love as special. Paragraph 2 says, Love is freedom. To look for it is it by placing yourself in bondage is to separate yourself from it. For the love of God, no longer seek for union and separation, nor for freedom and bondage. As you release, you will be, you, so will you be released. Forget this not, or love will be unable to find you and comfort you. Paragraph 4. The special relationship is totally meaningless without a body. If you value it, you must also value the body. And what you value, you will keep. 
A special relationship is a device for limiting yourself to a body and for limiting your perception of others to theirs. Paragraph 5 says, You see the world you value. On this side of the bridge, you see the world of separate bodies seeking to join each other in separate unions and to become one by losing. When two individuals seek to become one, they are trying to decrease their magnitude. Each would deny his power, for the separate union excludes the universe. Far more is left outside than would be taken in, for God is left without and nothing taken in. If one such union were made in perfect faith, the universe would enter into it. Yet the special relationship the ego seeks does not include... Wait, 346. Even one whole individual. The ego wants but part of him and sees only this part and nothing else. Paragraph 6 says, Across the bridge, it is so different. For a time, the body is still seen, but not exclusively as it is seen here. The little spark that holds the great rays within it is also visible, and this spark cannot be limited long to littleness. Once you have crossed the bridge, the value of the body is so diminished in your sight that you will see no need at all to magnify it. For you will realize that the only value the body has is to enable you to bring your brothers to the bridge with you and to be released together there. Seven says the bridge itself is nothing more than a transition in the perspective of reality. On this side, everything you see is grossly distorted and completely out of perception perspective. <laughs> what is little and insignificant is magnified and what is strong and powerful cut down to littleness. In the transition, there is a period of confusion in which a sense of actual disorientation may occur. But fear it not, for it means only that you have been willing to let go your hold on the distorted frame of reference that seems to hold your world together. This frame of reference is built around the special relationships. Without this illusion, there could be no meaning you would still seek here. Uh, paragraph 8 says, Fear not that you will be abruptly lifted up and hurled into reality. Time is kind, and if you use it on behalf of reality, it will keep gentle pace with you in your transition. The urgency in only The urgency is only in dislodging your mind from its fixed position here. This will not leave you homeless and without a frame of reference. Will, uh, sorry, not an, well, of, the period of disorientation which precedes the actual transition is far shorter than the time it took to fix your mind so firmly on illusions. Paragraph 9 says, Nothing you seek to strengthen in the special relationship is really part of you. You cannot keep part of the thought system that taught you it was real and understand the thought that knows what you are. You have allowed the thought of your reality to enter your mind, and because you invited it, you will abide. it will abide with you. Your love for it will not allow you to betray yourself, and you could not enter an, into a relationship where it could not go with you, for you would not want to be apart from it. Paragraph 11 says, The new perspective you will gain from crossing over will be the understanding of where heaven is. From this side, it seems to be outside and across the bridge. Yet as you cross to join it, it will join with you and become one with you. And you will think in glad astonishment that for all this you gave up nothing. The joy of heaven, which has no limit, 
is increased with each light that returns to take its rightful place within it. Wait no longer for the love of God and you, and may the holy instant speed you on the way, as it will surely do if you let it come to you. Paragraph 12 says, The Holy Spirit asks only this little help of you. Whenever your thoughts wander to a special relationship which still attracts you, enter with him into an holy instant, and there let him release you. He needs only your willingness to share his perspective to give it to you completely, and your willingness need not be complete because his is perfect. At the very bottom of 347 is the end of illusions. In the special relationship, you are allowing your destruction to be. This is ins- That this is insane is obvious, but is it obvious that you're doing this? What is less obvious is that the present is useless to you while you pursue the past and the relationships that have single purposes. The past is gone. It cannot be done over or recaptured or suspended in time. Our egos want us looking back. So this moment goes unnoticed. This holy instant is where peace resides with joy. Paragraph one at the bottom says, It is impossible to let the past go without relinquishing the special relationship. For the special relationship is an attempt to reenact the past and change it. Imagine slights, remembered pain, past disappointments, perceived injustices, and deprivation all enter into the special relationship, which becomes a way, Duck's page, page 348, in which you seek to restore your wounded self-esteem. Paragraph 2 says the special relationship takes vengeance on the past. By seeking to remove suffering in the past, it overlooks the presence in its preoccupation with the past and its total commitment to it. Sentence seven says, and who can give you what you think the past deprived you of? The past is nothing. Do not seek to lay blame or deprivation on it. The past is gone. You cannot really not let go of what has already gone. It must be, therefore, that you are maintaining the illusion that it has not gone because you think it serves some purpose that you want fulfilled. And it must also be that this purpose could not be fulfilled in the present, but only in the past. Paragraph 3 says, Do not underestimate the intensity of the ego's drive for vengeance on the past. It is completely savage and completely insane. Paragraph 4, sentence 2 says, There is no fantasy that does not contain the dream of retribution for the past. Would you act out the dream or let it go? Paragraph five, the last sentence on that page says, let the one thing the ego never allows to reach. And that is, and then up on page 349, awareness is that the special relationship is the acting out of vengeance on yourself. Yet what else could it be? In seeking the special relationship, you look not for glory in yourself. You have denied that it is there and the relationship becomes your substitute for it. And vengeance becomes your substitute for atonement, and the escape from vengeance becomes your loss. Paragraph 6 says, Against the ego's insane notion of salvation, the Holy Spirit gently lays the holy instant. Sentence 4 says, In the holy instant, it is understood that the past is gone, and with its passing, the drive for vengeance has been uprooted and has disappeared. 
the stillness and the peace of now enfold you in perfect gentleness. Everything is gone except the truth. Paragraph 7 says, In the holy instant, the power of the Holy Spirit will prevail because you joined him. The illusions you bring with you will weaken the experience of him for a while and will prevent you from keeping the experience in your mind. Yet the holy instant is eternal. And your illusions of time will not prevent the timeless from being what it is, nor you from experiencing it as it is. Paragraph 9 at the bottom says, There is nothing you can hold against reality. All that must be forgiven are the illusions you have held against your brothers. Sentence 5 near the bottom says, Release your brothers from the slavery of their illusions by forgiving them for the illusions you perceive in them. Thus will you learn that you have been forgiven, for it is you, and then you want to go to page 350, who offer them illusions. In the holy instant, this is done for you in time to bring you the true condition of heaven. Paragraph 11 says, Seek and find his message in the holy instant, where all illusions are forgiven. From there, the miracle extends to bless everyone and to resolve all problems, be they perceived as great or small, possible or impossible. Sentence 5 says, Praise be to your relationship with him and to no other. The truth lies there and nowhere else. You choose this or nothing. That is the end of chapter 16 in A Course in Miracles. Oh, the special relationship is such a big pill to swallow that we have purposely made these relationships believing that they are what we should pursue. That making someone, anyone more important, more loved than others is our ego's most important job. The special relationship keeps us from experiencing true love and makes suffering, pain, and loss its goal. We need to see everyone as one. So no one gets left behind. This is a journey. Keep finding your way. Have a phenomenal week. And until next week, always love, Denise.